0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the podcast where we look back on the cartoons, movies, TV shows, and whatnot of our youth to see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And this is Childhood Remastered. The name Disney is synonymous with a lot of things magic, princesses, animation, Mickey Mouse. But one thing people usually don't associate with Disney is horror. Well, maybe not horror per se. Maybe scary is the better word. There aren't too many scary Disney movies out there. But we found one. If you asked 100 people about the movie we're about to cover, I would wager 99 of them would say they'd never even heard of it. It is, in fact, the sequel to an equally obscure movie we covered just about a year ago. It's a movie that has magic, and ghosts, and revenge, and a demon being dragged back to hell. That movie is The Bride of Boogity. Fans of our show will no doubt remember last year, around this time, around Halloween, when we did the first Boogity movie. On my request. On your request. I and mean, the second one is on, on my, my request. Yes, yeah, and they're both partially... It's a double a, request. Yeah, they're both partially on on our both of our requests, because these... Well, let, let's talk about it. What do you remember about The Bride of Boogity? Remember, we're not talking about Mr. Boogity. We're talking about The Bride of Boogity. So,
1: my memories of Mr. <laughs> Boogity slash Bride of Boogity are blurred into one sort of amalgamated, uh, corporeal being. Because if you remember, the first movie was only like 45 minutes long. Right. And I remember... So when we went back and watched the first movie, I had memories of a carnival and a Halloween event. And I remembered the mom looking like the Bride of Frankenstein. And I couldn't remember why. (laughs) Especially after watching the first movie. But then, about a year ago when we did this, uh, the first movie, I did watch the second one back then. Mm -hmm. So I watched it last year. And then I would go, oh, that's why. Because I blurred the two together. Yeah. So that's kind of where my memory stands. I liked these movies when I was a kid. And I thought that they were spooky and scary. And his face was creepy. And uh, I enjoyed them when I was a kid. and. I don't remember a whole lot about
0: this one because I sort of blurred them together. Yeah, I I think that that's a fairly common thing. Anybody who's familiar with this movie, and I don't know if there's a lot of people that are super familiar with this movie. I think especially this one in particular is probably a bit more
1: niche than the first one. And even then, the first one is pretty niche because most of the people I mentioned the first one too, they go what
0: yeah well well, it's because most of the stuff that we cover practically everything that we cover they're either tv shows or movies and like by movie i mean they are movie movies like in a theater that came out in a theater or at bare minimum they came out like on video at some point this movie is a tv movie that i i think eventually got put on video cassette at no, some point it did not Oh, that that makes it even harder to find yes. then. it's just like it's just like uh, the adventures of pete and pete never got put on officially on on video which is why they're so hard to find yeah so for me i'm sort of the same way i blurred these two together a lot because what would happen and if you didn't know that these these are both movies that are that were produced by disney that were on the wonderful world of disney or disney's world of color whatever whatever it was at the time that you watched it and it was for me. I remember watching them on Sunday nights. They were like the Sunday night movie uh, that Disney would do, and Michael Eisner would come out and introduce the the movie and and talk about what you were going to see. And sometimes it was a it was a Disney classic. You know, it was like Bambi or Pinocchio or Swiss Family Robinson or one of their one of their uh, nature documentaries. Or I D- loved all of those. Davy Crockett. Yeah. Anything like that. So he would come out and introduce it. Maybe spend two minutes talking about the movie. Maybe have some of the Disney characters come out and talk. And, and he'd interact with them. And after
1: after Eisner took over, he became the one who would come out and introduce... Because it was
0: Disney who would do it. And well, no, then th- later it was Eisner. No, that's who I'm talking about. Sorry. That's who I'm talking about. Is, okay. It's Michael Eisner. Because Sorry. We were, I, yeah, I, we weren't alive when Disney was doing it. But... But uh, but we we were right in the mix, smack in the middle of the uh, the Michael Eisner. Years. So the version that I watched did not
1: have the Eisner intro. Did did you get to watch the? I Eisner you know intro? I didn't. I it's didn't. on YouTube and and you can watch the Eisner intro. It involves him putting on the on the cloak and then levitating, and Mickey and friends kind of being like, "Oh, Michael, what are you doing?" And yeah, and he's like, "Oh, this is just the special effects guys." And then he's like, "Oh, get me down, get me down." And then it cuts to the movie. Well, he did
0: the same thing in the in the original Mister Boogity where yeah. where he's sitting there at his desk, and then all of, like stuff starts floating on his desk. Yeah. He goes, "Oh, look at that! It's the it's the special effects guys." Yeah, this one nice where job, he's guys. like in the
1: house of
0: from the set. Yeah, so I I blurred the two together a lot because what i remember them doing is playing these movies back to back because you would have the first movie that's 45 minutes long and then the second movie which is about 100 minutes long so all it's about you know with commercials it's probably two and a half hours or so of of movie something like if that you, if you yeah. put if you play them back to back so i remember a lot of times when i saw this i mean it wasn't on video you would just see it uh, you know, some random Sunday night, usually around Halloween, they'd play these two movies together. And it played on TV for a couple years. I think it, by like the early '90s,
1: they stopped playing it. I think. Yeah,
0: because
1: probably like '92, '93, they kind of stopped. Yeah, the, the first
0: movie came out in '86. This came out in '87. And yeah, but so I liked it. I liked both of them. Yeah, I liked uh, everything about. I thought it was funny. I thought it was scary. I liked the characters. It's it's. It, it's just a fun movie and I remember enjoying it. I remember being excited whenever it was on. It, it's just so strange to think about that, that I was super excited for a movie that wasn't even a movie. It was just like this Disney thing that came on. Like that was the power of Disney that you were able to be like, Oh my God, the, the, the Mr. Like, Boogity's on. You're like, it's terrible garbage, but I'm going to like it yeah. because it says
1: Disney in front of it. Exactly. Now, now something that I was thinking about is that when we covered this last year, do you remember? So we watched the first one; it was on YouTube. You can find mm-hmm. it everywhere on YouTube. The second one was also everywhere on YouTube. This year, not so much. Yeah. So something has changed in the last year. So so you can still find the first movie up on YouTube, but the second one is very hard to find unless you want to pay for it. So the second one is up on Amazon Prime and on YouTube, but you have to pay two ninety nine to download it or ten dollars. Uh, to to purchase. Yeah, and and last year the movies were not as popular. I don't know if something's changed in the last year, but I don't know what YouTube did was YouTube itself. I think pulled all of the second movie from YouTube, purged it, and now
0: the only way to get it is through
1: YouTube. Yeah, or,
0: or on Amazon Prime, or maybe maybe Disney put out like a DCMA. Or, or DMCA the, uh, the first
1: one isn't though
0: yeah I don't I don't know why that is I, I so noticed that so it's so hard
1: that I went through Cody to try and and pull it and the only versions it would pull were the paid YouTube versions on my Cody huh I, I so found I found a way to watch it without paying well <laughs> yeah you yeah, that gets into a, a more troubled waters, but you yeah. can you can go to Amazon and you can you can pay for it there. It's two ninety nine, and that's what I ended up doing just because out of ease for my
0: kid, and I figured three bucks is nothing. Well, so you probably whatever. got a much better quality version than I did. I doubt it. <laughs> but I then got again, it. then again, I yeah. watched the movie in one point five speed, so. My quality was diminished even further. It, that's probably true. Yeah. So this movie originally aired April twelfth, nineteen eighty seven. Like I said, as a uh, episode of the Disney Sunday Movie, which was originally Walt Disney's World of Color. It was a hundred minutes long, and it was
1: it created was created the... by Michael Janover. He created and wrote both this one and the former. And I believe reading an interview somewhere saying that he wished that there was a copy of this. And the first movie on dvd but but they don't exist
0: yeah can you imagine that you made something for disney that they and it was th-
1: immensely popular at the time
0: and that they that disney repeatedly showed on their uh on their tv network and it's just gone poof gone forever yeah
1: yeah not with the internet not with the internet
0: yeah uh michael janover also wrote the film the philadelphia experiment and he has a writing credit for jerry lewis's film hardly working yes it was produced by Michael Janover, Oz Scott,
1: and Carrie Melcher, who was the associate producer. It was directed by Oz Scott, and he directed his first feature film, Bustin' Loose, which came out in 81, starring Richard Pryor. I don't know if you've seen Bustin' Loose. Rings um, a bell. Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely an older movie. He directed episodes of The Jeffersons and Lewis and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Oof. JAG, NCIS, Eureka, which I love. I love Eureka. And uh, like literally dozens of other stuff. And he was a producer for The Wonderful World of Disney that as makes well. Me, that makes me so. think that this guy is like in his 70s now. Well, I mean, if you think about it, he directed his first movie in 1981. And so he's probably in his 30s then. So we'll say probably 70. He's yeah? 69. 69. Okay. Yeah. We were close. Yep. The music was composed by John Addison. He was a famous composer and World War II veteran who actually was a tank officer in the Battle of Normandy. I, some of these are going to sound like repeat notes from last year, and that's because they are. The same uh, people were They're the on same it. people, and so I went through and reviewed everything, and not a whole lot has changed, note-wise. Uh, John Addison won an Oscar and a Grammy for Best Original Film Score for the 63 film um, Tom Jones, which not... Tom Jones, a singer, but it's it's actually a a Jones, Not the Tom Jones
0: that middle-aged women throw
1: their panties at? Yeah, this is the the novel by English playwright Henry Fielding
0: from 1749. So, a little obscure. Just slightly older. Yeah,
1: just a little older. Just
0: slightly older than the time Tom Jones we know and love. Yes, and... John
1: Addison directed the film A Bridge Too Far, which is actually about Operation Market Garden, if uh, if you're a World War II history buff. That one is like a massive, starch-studded cast, and, and he also composed the theme music for Murder, She Wrote. Oh, good. Yeah. Let's get into the cast real quick. Most of this is going to be a rundown. There's only one or two people that are different. There's a bunch of ancillary cast, and I elected not to put them in the notes today because I don't have that kind of time. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, Sean and I have a lot going on, and, yeah. I, and I'm actually I'm doing a big renovation at home, and, and Sean's super busy with a bunch of other stuff. So I said, you know, I'm not going to put down notes for a person who had one line. Yeah. Like one guy, one line. Because I <laughs> saw him in the I did the notes first, and... I I read the the name and then I like looked for the guy in the movie, and I couldn't find him. So I had to go online look up what he looked like, and then co- go oh that guy one line in the
0: town hall scene,
1: <laughs> and I spent like five minutes doing notes on him. I was like no no yeah. not happening. So well
0: let's start with people that do have lines. The first character is Carlton Davis, and he is the same Carlton Davis from the first movie played by the same actor Richard Mauser. Um, he's appeared in uh, tons of films, over 80 films. He was SAG president from 95 to 99. And he sits on the corporate board currently of the Motion Picture and Television Fund. Uh, he was in the 1982 movie The Thing and was in the 1990 TV miniseries version of It. And he's Both done-
1: are great. I know they've remade It since, um, since then. But I still like the original because, man, Tim Curry's Pennywise
0: is... Oh. Tim Curry, John Ritter, yeah, uh, Richard Mauser, yeah, it's great. Uh, he was also in a bunch of other TV roles besides it, like Murphy Brown, Mash, and Happy Days, and Law and Order. Uh, and his character is the same character. This movie picks up. I want to say this movie picks up like almost immediately after the first movie. Well, it seems like it does. Yeah, I'm not. Sh- I think it takes place shortly thereafter because they're still like the characters are still sort of sensitive and reeling from their encounter with Mr. Boogity. It's very fresh in their minds. It seems like
1: my, my inclination was that it had been like eight months to a year. Okay. Well, that's still pretty, pretty soon. I mean, the house looks moved in. The house is clean. It's, right, which was yeah. a big one. It was all dirty and weird and gross in the first one. But they're starting a business too, so I would figure that that would be something that he would try to do. Like, pretty well, he had his it. own business that he came in with. Remember, he was yeah. Oh, the dig joke, the joke franchise thing, which he he already has going, but now he's
0: got a he's getting he's starting a his own store. business. Okay, yeah. So uh, his character is the father of the family. Um, he is the jokester, like Chris said. He has a he has He's a. He's the typical goofball dad. Yeah, he has a practical joke store, but his kids love him. At least his sons love him, and his wife adores him. Absolutely. His daughter, I think, is sort of ambivalent towards yeah, goofy old dad. Typical, I would say, typical like teenage daughter. That's that's. You know, I would feel like the, the the reaction if your dad was into like whoopee cushions and 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 Groucho masks and you can't see the eye rolling I just did, but it's real. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I like his character because he sort of he sort of bridges that gap between like incredibly goofy and like realistic because he has to be incredibly goofy because he owns a gag shop. He that's his business. Uh, that's sort of how he how he interacts with and and and. Uh, Uh, gets along with his sons and his wife they're all part of the business uh but he also is very serious when he needs to be and he he seems like a real person like he's not just this caricature of a of a goofy jokey dad he he's serious with his kids uh he treats them like you would treat a kid that in one scene he uh the kids are like oh my god we both had the same dream and and there was a key here and a door and he's here. He's like, oh, well, that's just
1: because you're brothers.
0: Well, no. And he goes downstairs. He goes, okay, where was the key? And he and he looks down. And he goes, okay, and where was the door? Well, the door was right here. He's like, well, I'm not seeing a key and I'm not seeing a door. So maybe you just had a nightmare. And like, it, it seems like he's realistic. And I think it play it. It, it sort of, it shows the the uh, uh, his acting ability, Richard Mauser's. I mean, I don't want to, I'm not trying to, uh, um, let me pull my nose out of his ass. But like, it's, well, it's, the thing
1: is, is Richard Mouser is a he's a character actor, he's and he's been, really good at it. Right, he's a really good character actor. Where where Richard Mouser could play like a bunch of different roles, and you're never like they always seem believable. Yeah, they always seem believable. You can always tell it's Rich, it's Richard Mouser, but at the same time, you're always like, huh, yeah, that's nothing like the last role. Yeah. So he, I mean, he's a good actor. And so that helps,
0: yeah. you know? And, uh, and like I said, he, he bridges that gap. And I, I think that's what makes his character so good and relatable in this movie is that he's like a dad and a goofball, but he's actually a dad. He's not like, you know, a stereotypical goofball dad he, in a, in a, in he a modern reminds me a lot of my dad. When my dad
1: was alive, he reminded me, he reminds me a lot of my dad, the, um, the sort of like just playful goofballness. Like he doesn't even care that nobody thinks it's funny. Yeah. You
0: know? Exactly. Like no there are times when nobody thinks it's funny, but he's happy and so well, like screw the, it. Who like cares? the scene like the scene where he's eating a grapefruit and he's wearing goggles and the grapefruit sprays him in the face. And he has a tiny squeegee and he's squeegeeing his goggles and he's just doing it without what with, I laughed at that. I, f- I forgot about that. I laughed at it. He's, he's squeegeeing his goggles and it's, and like holding is he a normal conversation to entertain his kids. Or is he doing it just be like, because he's a weirdo. Yeah. And he's he's holding like a normal conversation with his family as he's squeegeeing with a teeny tiny little squeegee. Like the size of a, like a razor. Yeah. It's smaller than that because he's wearing like, like swimming goggles, like the little, yeah. the little like glasses looking goggles. They're not like big giant, you know, snorkeling goggles. Uh, the next character is Eloise Davis. And his she is, wife. And it's his wife. And she is again played by Mimi Kennedy. Uh, Mimi Kennedy is an actress who's mostly known for comedic roles. Uh, she had a big role in uh, the sitcom Dharma and Greg. Which we talked about because remember yeah. you brought up Dharma I and Greg I did randomly? Bring, I did bring up so Dharma and Greg. So she's the mom in Dharma and Greg. Is and she,
1: she was also in Aaron Brockovich. And Midnight so. uh, And
0: Midnight in Paris. And her, uh, she's currently playing a recurring character on the TV series *Mom* on CBS with Anna Faris and Allison Janney, and uh, her character makes me laugh because she's such a goofball. Yeah, and you can tell that like her character is like really enjoys being married to her husband because her husband's a goofball, and they're just like goofy together.
1: Yeah, I I will say the thing that always stands out about these movies. So there's a couple things that stand out about these movies, but one of them in particular is her laugh.
0: <laughs>
1: it's so ingrained into my psyche.
0: I can't rip it out if I wanted to, by the way, did I you just can't, did you notice that? I've tried. Her, did you lo- notice that her laugh is uh genetic because, yes, her, because brother, her brother does it too. Her brother laughs the exact same way. Yeah. yeah her brother in the movie
1: does the same exact thing. Yeah. The next character is Ari Davis, who is the youngest kid, and he has been replaced. the 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 actor who plays him in this movie is Joshua Rudoy, who literally has done nothing
0: else. Well, he didn't really have a super big role in this movie either. the The, the character of Ari had a much bigger role in the last movie. In this movie, he is he's relegated to a mate like a very minor background character in terms of the family. Like he's in a lot of scenes, but he doesn't say a whole lot of anything.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's true. So the thing is, is it is weird because this movie was done not long after the first one. They were, they were made less than a year apart. Mm -hmm. And so the original actor who was that character was Benjamin Gregory, who ended up being cast on ALF. And so and they don't even remotely look similar. No. This this kid ended up uh I, I think it's just it's weird to have a character change, like an actor for a character change, with no explanation and it's been a short period of time. It'd be one thing if you know, the character went upstairs and was on was on timeout and then comes back five years later as a different actor or actress. That happened on Boy Meets World. They sent the sister upstairs for timeout. She didn't come down for like five seasons and she comes down as to a totally different actress. And then it, in one of the episodes, they told her to go upstairs to her room and she goes, I'm never coming back down, am I? <laughs> and it was like a reference to that so in a case like that you can get away with it but I, it is a little jarring
0: yeah it's when... like Rich, it's like richie cunningham's uh, brother on happy days right one so, upstairs never came back
1: and, and the sister is the same thing so in this movie it was played by tammy lauren but in the first one it was played by christie swanson and and the sister is jennifer davis and tammy lauren was also the main role in the movie wishmaster uh, I think the character's name is Alexandria or Alexandra or something. She's Ginger in Homefront, and she has been in The Young and the Restless for... She had, like, several... like I think, like, 100 episodes or something Jesus. on The Young and the Restless. So... The other brother in this is Corwin Davis, played by David Faustino, who we've talked about several times. I think we talked about him on Gummy Bears because he's Sweetheart as as Calvin in one of the episodes. Mm -hmm. So he's done a bunch of stuff. I think he actually has a podcast or radio show called Old Scratch Radio on Dash Radio. Uh, I think he
0: was actually Mako from the uh, Legend of Korra series. Yeah, but his biggest role, of course, was Bud Bundy on Married with Children. It was... Did you know that there's been talks of bringing back that show? I don't know why they would. Why? Why would you bring it back? So, and this is completely off topic, but but uh, maybe we can, maybe you know what? Yeah, screw it. We'll just go off listen, topic. Listen to the end of the episode. I'm gonna, I have something to say about Married with Children. And just really quickly, the thing about David Faustino's character, Corwin, is he doesn't
1: have a whole lot of personality, doesn't really serve a whole lot of purpose in this, other than the fact
0: that he just exists and he's sort of background i can tell you why because in the first movie the focus is on the kids because the kids have a relationship with jonathan the ghost and that's how they sort of learn all this stuff about mr boogity about his mom about the, the second whole one was written
1: more from the perspective of the parents
0: the second one is all about the parents the first one's all about the kids so the kids are the main focus there you are scenes
1: without the kids there isn't a single scene in the first one without the kids. Exactly.
0: It's either Jennifer Corwin or Ari. The second movie is all about Carlton and Eloise. They're the two main characters of this second movie and you get Jonathan the ghost for like a hot second. And so there's Who's no, also a different actor. Yeah, and so there's there's no real reason to have the kids in. They're they're there to be scared and and to tell their parents that Mr. Boogity is back. And yes. that's it. Yeah,
1: that's it. Now the next character really quickly is Walter Witherspoon and if that now if that name sounds familiar but not familiar it's because it is and it isn't and that's because the counterpart to his character was a different person completely both a different actor and a different character who according to IMDB is the brother of that character but it's never mentioned and nobody ever talks about it. And that's because in, in the original, the the actor was the actor from the Adams family and not the guy that we got here. And the guy we got today is Leonard Frey, who is also a famous actor. And Leonard Frey was a Oscar-winning actor who won a best supporting actor Oscar for his role as Model in the film version of Fiddler on the Roof. And he actually had a pretty substantial career. But he died less than a year after this movie was made. As a result of HIV AIDS. At actually the tragically young age of 49. And uh, so this is really his last role. I mean truly this is his last role. Mm-hmm. And he's entertaining in it. But his character doesn't really serve a whole lot of purpose.
0: His character is more goofy. because uh, So in the first movie, Neil Witherspoon... And Mr. Boogity, Neil Witherspoon, was the the head of the Historical Society. So he served a literal narrative purpose to... To relay uh, the story. To relay he was he was exposition personified. He let them know the story of Mr. Boogity and how Mr. Boogity came to be. He was sort of goofy, but he was more creepy than anything else. Yeah, I think I think when we talked about the movie the, the last time, we said that he seemed drunk all the time. Yeah. And he and did. They literally woke him up a couple of times. So this character, Walter Witherspoon, is supposed to be Neil Witherspoon's brother. And he works at the same looks like he works at the same historical society. And there's no trace of Neil. And his character in this is more of a goofball character. Still providing a little bit of exposition, but mostly just being window dressing and being goofy. He, he, he is really just a background character that pops up. And, and his gag is he likes weird flavored ice cream. I think he'd add like a... a onion, sp-
1: flavor, onion and chocolate flavor. And then he had spinach, vanilla, and yeah. some weird... They're just like, oh, hey, what sounds
0: gross? Let's make that, and it will be a, a trope of yeah. some sort. The next character is the antagonist. Well, I would say the the co-antagonist, and that is William Hanover or Mr. Boogity, if, you, if you're if you nasty. Uh, he is played by Howard Witt, who was an actor nominated for a Tony in 1999 for his portrayal of Charlie in the Broadway revival of Death of a Salesman. He had a long career beginning in the seventies and just recently died of natural causes uh, in June of twenty seventeen. So about a about a year ago from when yeah. we we're recording this, a year and a couple months. Uh, he had roles on Hill Street Blues, Taxi, Murder She Wrote, Law and Order, and The Golden Girls. And Mister Boogany in this is sort of he a com- throwaway. <laughs> he he really is. He I hate he, to see it. He uh, you know in the last movie they banished him. They 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 got rid of him. And in this movie he spends a lot of time. Just sort of skulking in a graveyard as a or, as a ghost, or, or possess- skulking and, and possessing other people. Yeah, yeah. or in pos- possessing other people. So the actual actor, I feel like they could have reused a lot of the sound from the first movie because he does he does a whole lot of boogity, boogity. and I'm sure that they could just recycle it. So uh, and, oh, I'm sure. In terms of like what the actor actually did, there wasn't a whole lot. It was just him sort of standing and pointing at stuff. It, 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 and what he looks like, Mister Boogity looks like. A man who is
1: balding up front, who has grown his hair out to be about shoulder length, and he's wearing a Puritan's outfit. And Super had,
0: stereotypical Puritan's yeah, outfit. Yeah,
1: and his face looks like ground hamburger. Yep. And that's it. And I remember reading somewhere that the budget for the first movie was so low that when they put together the original mask for the first one, that they, they actually had to intentionally alter some of the lighting and add those special effects to make it look better because it was so poorly done and watching the first movie it still looks poorly done well he was supposed to they got more money for this one he was supposed to have been exploded yeah so (laughs) they got more money for this one and so the mask looks better but i gotta say i actually prefer the face in the first one and this is because i watched them back to back again this (laughs) year Uh, which I'm not necessarily complaining about, but I watched them back to back again this year, and the mask, although it's cheaper, looks better in the
0: first one. So yeah, sometimes, sometimes that like really, really bad special effects has a sort of like charm, charm and a and a yeah,
1: just well, like you know we've talked about this before. I love old cheesy horror movies. Yeah, like I'm not big. I don't necessarily like traditional horror movies myself personally. I, I tend to figure out the, the plot way too early and then I spend the entire time irritated and bored with the characters. So I like older movies that are more nostalgic when mm-hmm. it comes to horror. So like Halloween, I like Halloween and anything really Halloween and before. I yeah. like stuff like 70s and earlier. And There's a bunch of 80s movies that I like. There's, there's
0: a couple few, 90s movies that I like.
1: Uh, I mean, there's, a, there's not many, at least for me. Night of the Comet? Hmm uh yeah i'm more of a plan nine from outer space kind of guy oh so yeah.
0: intentionally bad yeah intentionally bad uh the last character that we're really going to talk about is uh aside from richard mauser i would say that there there's a toss-up between who's the more famous person out of the two of them uh, out of richard I, mauser and this character i'd say at this point it's probably this guy yeah it was eugene levy yeah he plays a character named tom lynch who is a secondary antagonist um, he used to be the mayor of the city. Oh, the, he used to be the honorary mayor yeah, of so the it's city. Like a, it's not even a real no, mayor No, it's, it, it's something that they elect during a festival that they hold every year. And he, so the, he owns the a general store.
1: And he owns some plot of land, a farm. And they, they usually host their festival out at this farm. And he was being a big curmudgeon because he didn't get the honorary mayor tile this year. So he was basically trying to... Strong arm the town into making him honorary mayor again if they would allow him to host the event.
0: Yeah, they were and he was he gonna, didn't, he was they gonna, didn't gonna charge do it. He was gonna charge them rent this year to hold the Because they wouldn't make him honorary yeah. mayor. And And he seems like a guy that everyone in town doesn't like. He's yeah. just sort of a he's he's sort of a stick in the mud. He is a uh, he, he's a jerk really he really is and he doesn't like Richard Mauser's character
1: because he's now been made honorary mayor and he has a store that sells some competing stuff like the his general store also sells joke stuff but it's all garbage joke it's stuff. all garbage joke stuff and so they all want to go to Richard Mauser's store instead. and he
0: also feels uh, I, I I get the feeling that uh, that mr. Lynch uh, Tom Lynch he that he feels like uh, that Carlton has come in, essentially stolen his thunder, that the town all loves him now. Yeah. And, and the town doesn't love, uh, Lynch anymore. And, yeah, and I, I kind of got that too. That sort of feeds into his, uh, in, he's into his hatred. He's also lonely. Oh, he's
1: super lonely. And and that's, he even vocalizes that at some point. It's kind of sad, actually. Yeah. So, so you, if you don't know who Lugene Levy is, yeah. he is a regular collaborator of Christopher Guest, who I love Christopher Guest. I love Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show and A Mighty Wind. And those movies are my jam. I can watch those. Those are movies that I, I don't normally watch movies over and over again. Those are totally movies I can watch over and over again. Mm -hmm. He was also in the American Pie movies. Apparently he has appeared in all eight. And I put in here, side note, how many American Pie movies are there? I didn't know that there were eight American Pie movies.
0: Yeah. I thought that there were like two Three, maybe? I knew that there was at least three of the main series, and then they started, like, the weird side series, like, the American Pie, the Naked Mile. It's like, and Ameri- Stifler's, like, Stepmom. Yeah, or, American like- Pie. I think there was one that was, like, Frat House or something. It, it, it almost turned into, like, National Lampoons. Like, they just sort of splintered off yeah. and started making a whole bunch of random, like, direct-to-DVD, direct-to-Blu-ray Movies. Yeah, I don't know anything about them. Just that the couple of posters
1: that I saw online look terrible. But Eugene Levy is obviously a Canadian uh, comedic actor, and. Uh, He was actually very close friends with John Candy before he passed away. Uh, May Spaghetti Monster bless his soul. Yeah. And and, uh, he's actually a huge advocate for autism, which is super cool. And he does a lot of outreach there. I just want to throw that out there because I think that's super
0: awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about the movie. So the movie, the whole point. Is there much to talk about though? There's not that much. So I can go through it really quick. So the whole point of the movie is, like I said, this movie maybe takes place a, a year or around there. After the events of the first movie, and there is a uh, there is a festival coming up called Lucy Fest because if you remember, the town that they live in is called Lucifer Falls <laughs> because yeah, let's move to a place called Devil Falls, it, uh, whatever. So they uh, they're having this this annual festival, Lucy Fest. It's like a town fair, and they're they're uh, they're trying to decide what to do they what to do how to where to hold it and they're also um working on setting up their new store that they bought in town before they had a a, a van it was like a snap on trucks van that are snap on tools van that that you know goes they would around. sell jokes
1: out of the out of yeah. the van
0: but now they have a storefront and they're starting they're starting their own business their own joke shop
1: and he was offered money to go manage like a large portion of the company. Yeah. Was like be a regional move.
0: sales manager or something. Yeah. He was
1: going to manage a bunch of stores and in my, th- okay. So I poo pooed and talked shit on their job in the first move in, in our first coverage of movie number one. And because he's like a manager of a joke store and like trying to, and, and the wife doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you support a family on that? Like, I don't understand And like they're buying a house like they just bought a house and his kids are like his daughter's like what probably almost out of high school now. Yeah, I was going to say she's like 16 or 17. Like if it was me, I would have gone, you know, I don't think the joke shop business is really going to be taken off anytime soon. Hey, you never know. (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe take the regional job and then wait for the company to close and then get a severance package and then go open up a food truck or something.
0: Yeah, maybe. You know? Well, so he he's opening up a uh, he's opening up his own store in town. And as the as the character or as the children are sort of moving about town, they start getting these these weird uh, visions like experiences o- experiences of Mr. Boogity and at first they're trying to decide whether or not they're real because they see some people people are getting ready for Lucy Fest and you know there's people that are out dressed sort of like pilgrims so they're like well is it really Mr. Boogity or is it just people walking around being weird and then they find out it is Mr. Boogity somehow he came back and he wants his uh, magic cloak back and he possesses Carlton uh to to get that and you get some funny scenes. I actually laughed a couple of times. I was watching it in bed last night as Kathy was next to me trying to sleep. I had my headphones on and I'm I'm watching Jumpling it on my computer. Away. And there were a couple of times where I had to catch myself because like stupid things happened and it was just like dumb jokes and I laughed pretty hard. So there's one that happens towards
1: the end during the festival. So at at some point Mr Boogity uh, possesses Richard Mauser's character, who they then exorcise him, and then the spirit leaves, and then convinces Eugene Levy to steal the cloak. I think I thought he possessed him. Well, he possessed him after he got the cloak. Uh, okay. And then they make a bunch of wax figures of Hollywood monsters and and Jack the Ripper
0: uh, for whatever reason. Oh, it's because uh, it's come bec- to life. It's because the uh, the char- those those characters the store that he bought used to be... Oh, a, so, mat, like, a wax museum. Yeah, it was like so-and-so's wax museum of horrors. So he had a bunch of old... Uh, wax, muse- wax, wax museum like, characters. Wolfman, uh, yeah, Dracula. So
1: when Mr. Boogity brings all these characters to life, he then like puts them out on the carnival. And then at some point, he gets the cloak. And then he starts attacking the carnival. And there's this one point where Mr. Boogity makes a motorcycle come to life and it goes driving off. And the fortune teller who's like the actual fortune teller she goes my motorcycle and shakes her fist and screams (laughs) at him i don't
0: know why but i thought that was really funny yeah i was just expecting her to like flip him the bird or something but (laughs) one of the parts that i thought was really funny was there was there's the a scene so for the festival everybody has booths uh like all the store owners and 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 the residents they all have booths that they that they're doing for the festival like mr witherspoon is selling his terrible flavored ice cream and uh, the uh, the uh, Carlton and his family decide to open a booth that is essentially a séance within their within their store. They're going to do a séance where he s- somehow inexplicably has all this like all this like uh, uh, special effects equipment. He's got like a he's got like a foley board. Uh, behind a, a curtain, like literal literal Wizard of Oz style. Yeah. And he's using it to make thunder
1: and lightning. He's trying and- to trick his kids into believing that Mr. Boogity's not real, though. Well, he does. Or that. If- that Mr. Boogity's gone. And then they decide they're going to use it for the carnival, too. It's like a seance
0: room. Yeah, and and there were there were parts that... Uh, <laughs> there was a part where he was trying to convince the kids. Uh, I was laughing because... Uh, like, he says something to the effect of like there's a little there's a little car that moves over it's like a phone it's like a little ladybug phone that moves over to the person he wants to talk to and then it's his daughter and she picks up the phone and he said she says something like yes daddy and he goes um I'm the spirit master I am not going to respond to daddy or something like that it just it made me laugh cuz it was so stupid <laughs> but like the the movie has its moments where it's kind of funny and it's like generally generally uh i don't know what the word is cheesy it's cheesy yeah but it's
1: not so cheesy that you're just like oh god i can't watch any more of this it's cheesy in the all right okay ha ha and then every once in a while you have like a real chuckle i feel like the thing about this movie is that it is just like the first one in that it is safe enough that the whole family can watch it but not so terrible that parents will want to gouge their own brain out with a spoon.
0: Yeah, and and that so the the resolution of the whole story is that is that they 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 find this key. Somehow Mr. Boogity's cloak is locked in this magic door that Corwin and Ari saw in their dream. And they get it out, and that's how the, the that's how our, uh, a possessed Carlton gets it out. And that's how he puts it on, and he starts... Turns who, into Mr. Boogity. He King, starts, yeah, boogity boogity boogie through walls. And and uh, and then that's when uh, Mr. Lynch steals it, after they sort of exercise him by making him laugh. And then Mr. Lynch steals it, and then he becomes possessed and starts boogity-boogity-booing everything. And then they free him, and then Boogity himself shows up and gets his own cloak. Yeah, and, and then... And then shocks...
1: uh So this is the part that I thought was... Uh, a little weird so while possessing carlton they have him steal the original clothes of maid Marian, right yeah and then make his wife put them on i was like kinky but okay so she puts on this outfit and then they That's her Halloween costume. She doesn't know that it's the original outfit, by the way. Never gets that explained to her. No. So, she's just like, oh. So then they're at the fest uh, you know, the whole movie continues and they end up at the festival at the very end. And boogity showed up and he's like, Maid Marion, come to me. And so she's wearing the outfit. Mm-hmm. Looks like her. And what does he do? He electrocutes her and gives her literal Bride of Frankenstein hair. Well, they had to do and something. And it makes her levitate. And I was like, what purpose is that, sir? She doesn't look like Maid anymore. They
0: had to do something to justify the Bride of Frankenstein style title. They literally gave her Bride of Frankenstein hair to justify Bride of Boogity, Bride of Frankenstein. That's that's. I'm assuming that's why they did it. They had to throw it in there. It's so. It's kind of silly though. Like in a, like
1: as a kid, I never noticed it. I never thought about it. But as an adult, I just go, that makes no sense. Yeah. First and, of all, why would Mister Boogity understand? like 1930s horror film like tropes and then why would he turn sh- his 1600 his uh, his pining uh female uh, object into a into his, a his love interest his love interest into a a facsimile of this undead character i it's- it makes no sense
0: it's just a happy coincidence.
1: I guess.
0: I and guess. That so the resolution of the movie is they literally do a seance and call Jonathan, different Jonathan this time. They call Jonathan, uh, the ghost from the first movie, back to say, How do we get rid of Mr. Boogity? And then lit in literal Deus Ex Machina fashion, Jonathan disappears, comes back and says, Hey, do you still have that key? And they pull out the key. Yeah. It's like, well go to the go to uh go to Hanover, go to Mr. Boogity's grave. And put it in there and it'll suck him back into the underworld and you have to make sure that you save your mom because anything that he's holding on to will get sucked in too. And they're like, Oh, okay. Thanks narrator. And then they move on to the graveyard. And (laughs) then like literally the, 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 the the conflict is resolved in about three minutes because as soon as, as soon as they get to the graveyard, they put the key in Boogity shows up with the mom. They have some ruse where the daughter is now wearing an outfit and, and, uh, and Carlton goes, uh, are you sure you got the right Maid Marian? Maid Marian, yeah. Widow Marian, sorry. Widow Marian, sorry, I keep saying Maid Marian. It's yeah, a no, yeah. Thing. yeah. So he's like, are you sure you have the right Widow Marian? And then uh, Boogity looks at the old model and then looks at the new younger model and he's like, I'll take the younger model and he grabs her and then she ducks out of the way and then he's like, ah, ha, ha, oh no, oh, and he gets sucked into the grave and then that's the end of the movie. And that was it. Yeah. I think it's it's
1: sort of unfortunate that this franchise didn't get used more. Because it, it could have been something that got reused more often. It could have been something that ha- that had
0: been remade. You know what I would love to see? What? I would love to see Disney re-approach this property and redo it with Richard Mauser, either in the role of Neil Weatherspoon or as Mr. Boogity. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. I think that that would be awesome to do. I mean, much like much like the Legends of the Hidden Temple movie that we watched on Nickelodeon, Yeah, I feel like you could throw in a whole lot of meta- a whole lot of uh, stuff for maybe the parents. Because at this at this point, if you have kids that are, if you have, honestly, the, the the people that were around when this movie came out originally are probably close to their late 30s, early 40s at this point. If they were cognizant in like 86 and 87.
1: You know, what if they like legitimately just fully remade the first one? And they had Richard Mauser maybe as, expanded it as added some story. Had Richard Mauser as Neo Witherspoon, and he had an assistant who was his wife, and that way we could get her weird laughing just once, exactly. You know? Just as like a as like a meta
0: workaround. You know, you know what I love um, about this movie, honestly, is that, and I think we talked about this in the first in the first one because they do blend together. Yeah, well, I think we talked about it when we were talking about the first one is that it's it's the kind of safe family movie that you can literally sit with your entire family and watch and they don't make a whole lot of those anymore like there's jokes for the parents there's jokes for the kids it's entertaining enough to like keep you keep you like focused on it as an adult and as a kid it's not over it's not super really at all offensive it's it's scary enough that the kids might get a little frightened but it's not that scary. It's super family friendly. Like yeah. if it was, if it, if they I mean, I, t-
1: I, told you guys last year when, when we covered the first one that Eleanor loved it. She watched it. Well, I told her that we were gonna watch it again. Which we haven't seen it since last year, and she remembered it from a year ago. And she's like, oh, "Mr. Boogity, you promise?" <laughs> I go, "We're actually gonna watch both of them." And so she like lost her mind, and and she loved the both of them, and she screamed and got excited just like the first one. It was like she'd never seen it before. So. In fact, I think she's probably watching it right now uh, at home because I promised her that she could while
0: we were gone. Good so, times. Yeah, and, and I think that I think that it's it's a it's sort of a genre that you don't see a whole lot of anymore. It's a genre yeah. that it, you're either making movies and TV's for kids or movies and TV's for adults. But you don't usually see the combo. Like you see it sometimes with Shrek or like
1: even when it's a combo, it will be like here's an adult joke and then here's Jokes that are for kids that adults won't find funny. What's different in this, and I think this is sort of the they don't make these anymore sort of thing, is there's no like adult meta jokes in this. You know what I mean? Like there's no double entendres that uh, that are dirty for adults but kids don't
0: understand. It's just entertaining. Yeah. So so that's the difference. And I'm not saying that this is a great and spectacular. No, not even close. This is like mediocre. Yeah. This is this is mediocre Disney schlock. But. It's mediocre Disney schlock that's fun for the whole family. Like the movie, a movie doesn't have to be amazing for it to have value. And and I think that while I don't know if anybody who uh, watches this for the first time now would find it entertaining, I feel like a lot of this movie draws at least for me a lot of this movie draws its appeal from the fact that i'm super nostalgic for it it's very much
1: like there is a lot uh, there is a lot of nostalgia for the both of us but i think at the same time the fact that my my i told when i told my mom that i was going to be watching this she goes oh i remember that movie that was a fun movie my mom remembers that movie from 30 years ago and my daughter who's four almost five years old likes the movie so it must be striking some sort of a balance maybe
0: maybe you're right i do think though that that they you could absolutely reboot this franchise and probably it's so wasted that they're not like it's a it's a ready-made concept you don't have to
1: even storyboard it out yeah and they could, could save money on storyboarding you could save money on
0: scripting you know what they could do is they could just combine the first two movies and I mean, the do a two-hour two, movie and yeah, put just, it in a just one. Yeah, just combine the two movies together, and then maybe change some of the the aspects of it, so it's not sort of so silly the way that they defeat. Well, I
1: mean, maybe do, I, even still do two movies. But do them a year out. Yeah. Like making them both and release them a year apart and then problem solved. You could even do a mini series, an animated series yeah. on, on this subject so. where, like, maybe as an animated series, Boogity became the. So I'm thinking in the terms of. Boogity J- Bears! <laughs> well, I'm thinking here and there. something along the lines of <laughs> Jake and the Neverland Pirates. Yeah, so in that Captain Hook, who is the foil in Peter Pan, has become the sort of uh, comic relief foil. Like he always fails. It kind of poked fun at him. So it could be the the kids in this. Could end up say going on ghost adventures adventures of some sort and hunting ghosts or finding monsters or something, but it would be cute and fun, maybe in the age uh, three to twelve demographic. Mr. And,
0: Boogity Adventures. Yeah,
1: Mr. Boogity Adventures. And Mr. Boogity could be like the
0: old grandpa ghost that they hate or that they annoy all the time, or he's turns, always joining with the villains. Turns or, into like a turns into like a slimer thing where he becomes their buddy.
1: Yeah, yeah, something. <laughs> or or at the very least, a sort of like animal Anti-hero, so like he always joins the villains, but then he gets annoyed by them because he likes the kids. Or like maybe the thing is they always trick the villain. Maybe like the the trope is that they always trick the Loch Ness monster, the Bigfoot, or whoever they're fighting into dressing up like uh, Widow Marion and then he attacks them and helps them defeat the bad guys. And he goes, "Oh, foiled again by these kids!" Or you he, know, he, uh, he it's
0: it's a ready-made concept. He teams up with the kids mostly because he wants to bang their mom. Uh, maybe not for, not, not for the child audience. That could, that could be on the skin version Sean, <laughs> If you
1: wanted. Yeah.
0: <laughs> boogity boogity bangerang.
1: Uh, uh, oh man, you know what we haven't covered yet, but that I kind of want to cover is hook. Yeah. Oh, maybe we'll cover hook at some point. I love hook. Yeah. Anyways, that's uh, another side project, but so
0: ultimately if, just like the last one, I think we talked about this the last time, I feel like you could go back and re-watch this. Uh, be prepared though, it's not it's not easy to find. Uh, you unless, gotta pay for it or you, you you wanna download it illegally. Yeah. And so. it's and it's it's not super great quality because it never was in the first place. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, true. it's 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 uh, very SD like standard. You're not definition. gonna find an HD version. No, not and even don't close. don't believe any of those links that say Mr. Boogity, Bride of Boogity, HD, because you're probably downloading porn. Probably, so yeah, yeah maybe, so, yeah. It, it, and you just have to deal with the fact that it's low quality. And uh, hopefully Disney does something for it. All you Disney execs that listen to our podcast, I know you're out there. Yeah, I, I've, right. I've, I've, I've read <laughs> your emails to us and believe me, I'll get back to you at a, at some point. <laughs> I'll pencil you in, but remake this series it yeah. is it is it's ripe it's been 35 years 30 some odd years I, I would
1: i would happily help if they asked yeah. I, I doubt we'll ever get asked but i would help
0: we'll help write it is mike is janover still there i mean we can we can probably just let's figure something we can out take yeah. over for him let's do it let's yeah. do it don't worry i'll make the sex scenes really tasteful
1: I was, was going to say, I promise to make them not tasteful. <laughs> it's, you know what? It's dealer's choice, I guess. We'll, I we'll guess, let Jan over decide.
0: Yeah, the, the sex scenes between Mr. Boogity and uh, Carlton will be very tasteful. But the sex scenes between... Mr. Witherspoon and, uh, and, 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 and Widow Marion maybe um, not so much. They're, they're going to be very
1: sensual. So I think for this week, that'll do it. Yeah. And <laughs> well, we'll go out on a high note there. Yeah. Uh, next week, we have... Uh, uh, a week off because we're starting our week on week off for a while but we do have a episode a full episode planned another one for this month the month of halloween Ooh. spooky and we're also maybe gonna do a uh, like a mini episode maybe yeah we'll try and uh, we'll, we'll figure something out we'll give yeah. you, we'll but, give we, you but you got something coming so yeah. don't don't worry too
0: much Uh, we're still here yeah if you like this episode if you want to talk to us request a uh a a show for us to watch to cover uh check us out at childhoodremastered.com um i just put in a new members only section and we will be adding stuff to that and if you want to become a member if you want to become a flesh bro or sister uh all you got to do is sign up for uh our email list and don't worry i am not going to Turn it over to anybody. I'm not going to... There's no spam. There's no spam. I will almost never... We will almost never email you. When you sign up, you will get an email that will give you the password to the members only section. Um, currently, it has all of our show notes and it has the link to our Discord chat that we're starting. Mostly because uh, I
1: play a lot of World of Warcraft and I have a bunch that I'm already running. So I figured what the hell, I'll add another one for me. Yeah,
0: so, so... And we will be adding some more content to that. We'll be adding uh, potential new episodes of stuff just bonus content that we that we come up with on a on a basis on a timely basis so if you want to check all that out sign up for the email uh list and you will get the password and that is all you need to do and like i said we will not spam you will not sell your email to anybody do not worry about that uh only pertinent info and it'll rarely come out uh you can also on the site check out our social media we're on facebook instagram and twitter at uh Childhood Remastered and Twitter at RemasteredCast. Yeah, come visit us on the tweeters. Yeah, you can send us a old-timey email, childhoodremastered at gmail.com. There's voicemail. A voicemail. If you want to make a call uh, and and send us any any memory lane-related
1: things. So... We we could start using that also. I, I've been thinking it might be kind of fun if you guys had any memories of something that that we've covered. Uh, we might assemble a couple of those together into maybe a, a full episode where we let the the listeners talk about their favorite movie uh, or a favorite episode that we've covered or both. Or whatever else, and, and if it pertains to the show, we might put it together into one big thing, or it would just play it on a single episode. And and so you can go check that out there. We've had a couple of them before, but um, I, we had one that was uh, the sound quality didn't come out so great, but we had another one that, that we've used before. So de- definitely check us out there. And you know, it, those of you who uh, get in touch with us pretty often, or or the people who send us requests of stuff, we we definitely appreciate it. The more stuff you send us, the the happier we are. So we we
0: are still here. Uh, I promise. So one thing that I wanted to do here at the end of the episodes is I wanted to highlight some of our reviews. I mean, if you leave us a voicemail, if you leave us a review, um, we want to talk to you. We want to thank you. We want to, you know, make you part of the show as well. So I'm going to go to our iTunes page where you can leave us reviews. I would suggest, if you want
1: to do something to really uh, bust Sean's balls, leave a five-star review, but then talk about how terrible we are. That would work, too. That that would make Sean really happy, I think.
0: Yeah. So uh, this... (laughs) This review comes to us from Mr. Solitaire27. He says, I found out about these guys through the Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom podcast. The hosts' approach to reviewing old cartoons is effective and I enjoy hearing all of the trivia behind these cartoons. The big draw for me is the host overanalysis and speculation behind the decisions that were made behind the scenes by show creators, voice actors, and everyone else invo- involved in the production of the cartoons and the shows being reviewed. The Childhood Remastered podcast covers a lot of stuff I remember growing up as a kid, so the nostalgia is high. Overall, I give Childhood Remastered five out of five stars. Thank you, Mr. Solitaire. Uh, if you want us to read your review, if you want us to read something of yours on on the show, just go ahead and you can leave us a voicemail and we can uh, uh, play that on the show. You can leave us a review. You can send us an email. We want to interact with you, the listener. Um, make this a more personal interaction. So... Before we go, I want to make sure that we thank John Howarth for the use of our music. The song is called Nascent. Uh, it is uh, on our sound, or it is on our website on the music page. It's a link to his SoundCloud, all the rest of his music. It's really great. He does a lot of electronic music, some singing. Uh, you should check him out. Check out the full version of the song on our website as well. And uh, we're part of a uh, podcast network, ACPN. You can check them out at acpnet.net. There's a lot of great shows on there uh, for you to check out. And uh, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. So, it's been fun. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Yep. And until next time, this is Sean. And Chris. And this has been your Childhood Remastered. We will see you next time. A boogity boogity boo. 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 So Married with Children would never work today again. Married with Children exists in a period of time in American television that cannot be replicated today. Because so much of Married with Children is based on anti and And this is going to make me sound like super. And I'm not. I mean, i I respect all people. i'll 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 leave it at that. I respect people. I don't want people being bullied. I you're don't, you're just not an extremist of any kind. I don't, yeah, exactly. i I want people to treat people well. That's all I want. but this this show is uh and and this is me saying this knowing that I enjoyed the hell out of this show. I thought it was hilarious. I watched every single episode of it. it I've re-watched the episodes a bunch of times. I like. I like the series but this is a show that is extremely misogynistic like insanely it's extremely like anti-fat people anti-fat women Uh, well it's
1: just anti-women anti-fat people and it's also if you think about it it's it's actually anti-man too yeah because the all all the men in the show are they're lazy they're stupid and unsuccessful.
0: Yeah. The only people who are successful are women and they're all super, uh, you know, crazy. And the one successful man, which was, uh, which was Steve Rhodes left the show. He was like a successful banker and he left the show to go become a, uh, I think a park ranger. It was Darcy's husband. Yeah. 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 Marcy's husband, Marcy's her, her husband, first yeah. husband before she met, who m- left, uh, married, uh, Jefferson. Yeah. So, the show was great for the time that it was at, and I swear to God, I love it. Also, show. like objectified the hell out of Christina Applegate. Oh yeah, and, like, yeah. I and, mean, and every other woman on the show, and, even Pegs. Yeah, you know what I mean, She's, it's a, it's a show that was great for the time that it was on, which was like eighty seven to like ninety six. Well, a, the other thing too about that show is uh, I almost
1: feel like the objectification and the misogynistic. Like undertones were intended to be tropish. Oh like, no! You know I what? Mean, I, it it I was. It was actually. It was very smart comedy. The whole thing was like, "This is ridiculous." Uh, let's because people actually think this way. Let's make it a thing, and we're going to write a show about it. I watched, but I, people would take it the wrong way. They
0: wouldn't see the sort of smart meta like well here's humor the, in it. Here's the reason. It's because, I, and I watched a I watched a documentary on this or some kind of like behind the music type thing. But the creators of the show made the show. Because uh, they wanted to make an answer to the Cosby Show, because they believed that the Cosby Show, because it was on around the same time, they believed that the Cosby Show was not a realistic portrayal of of uh, of American life. Because you had this very upper class family living in Chicago, I think is where the Cosby Show took place. So you had a very I, up- don't, I don't remember where it was. It's a very I think upper it was New York. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe it was the brown. It was either Chicago. It was or a New brownstone. York. It was yeah. like a. So you had a very upper class family. You had a father that was a doctor and a mother that was a lawyer, and they had like a high power lawyer. Yeah, and they they had these kids, and you know Bill Cosby, (laughs) despite what he what he's become now, he was he was America's dad because of the way that he dealt with his kids' problems on the show, and he you know was a very wholesome, very like very you know wrapped up in a nice bow at the end of it type of show and the creator, yeah. the creators of married with children were like man fuck that that is not reality like, like that's not my parents like, my parents were terrible yeah i want to yeah. show what it's like to have a lower class working class family that has is, dysfunctional that, best. that's dysfunctional yeah at best but still kind of care for each other but would just as soon like punch each other as they yeah, would hug each other. I was going to say like, they just as easily push one under a bus as they would like save they, them from it. And I'm pretty sure they literally did that in a couple episodes where it's like Bud or, or Al or someone would get pushed under a literal bus or something like that. But that's, that's why it worked because it was literally a... It was literally a counter argument to the Cosby show and it reached a lot of people because a lot of people, I mean, you don't see a whole lot of, at the time, you didn't see a whole lot of shows about like working class families. You didn't. No. And, and it worked for that. It spoke to a lot of, uh, I mean, the, the, the late 80s, early 90s were a different time. You could get away with a lot of shit. Back so then, much that if you put that show on now, it it's would... like
1: re- people talk about it all the time. Like you could never remake revenge of the nerds. It could never happen. Like
0: think about, think about it's always sunny. Do you think that they could make it's always sunny now? I
1: think it's because... been on for
0: 13 seasons.
1: Well, I mean the political climate, the, the social political climate has changed so much just in the last i'd say three years exactly that that's
0: what i'm saying like that, shows that, that are on shows that are on now can, can continue going on but if they tried to make that Married show with now children people are too work. reactionary it would no, never it, happen it would be it would be it would probably be probably be on i mean maybe on on like a netflix but it wouldn't be on network tv yeah well i th- i mean that kind of goes to <laughs> and, and it would discussion, only be but it would only be like 10 episodes if it was on netflix but anyway i hope you've enjoyed this, our, our sidetrack. Yeah, I hope you've I hope you've enjoyed um, uh, married with children the uh, the after show. <sighs> okay, so until we'll... next time. <laughs> <laughs>